Welcome to the Corporate Innovation Podcast presented by Singularity University and in collaboration with Singularity U Nordic. My name is Chris Ostergaard. The purpose of this podcast is to go beyond the disrupt or die headlines, get concrete about all the abstract terminology behind innovation, and into the nitty-gritty of how to truly create transformation, growth, and impact by speaking to world-leading doers and thinkers who have a lot of innovation dirt under their nails. I hope the podcast provides value for you and hereby give you the next guest on the Corporate Innovation Podcast. So we're here on the Corporate Innovation Podcast with Jeremiah Oweyang. Uh, Jeremiah is an industry analyst and founding partner at San Francisco-based Clido Insights, where he researches how technology trends can help large companies connect to their customers. He's also the founder of Catalyst Companies, an innovation club for Fortune 500 companies. He was an industry analyst at Forrester Research, founding partner at Altimeter Group and a web marketing leader at Hitachi. He's a frequently quoted in top-tier publications cited in books, press media, has done TED Talks and is a speaker around the globe and featured in the Who's Who in the Silicon Valley Business Journal. And his Twitter feed was named one of the top feeds by time. So Jeremiah is a go-to person to really understand top technology trends. And what we're particularly talking about here are top technology trends, work behavior and innovation in regards to the unfortunate COVID-19 pandemic that we're all experiencing. But first of all, uh, Jeremiah, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. It's my pleasure. Thank you. So, Jeremiah, uh, diving directly into uh, to all of the, the the topics here that uh, we're going to cover in in a half hour's time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, COVID nineteen, the pandemic, so so much uh, going on, and uh, but from a sort of a technology investment, technology development perspective, what do you find to be the most important impacts that we've we've seen out of the pandemic, both good and bad? Yes. Well, some of the major investment areas have been in the e-commerce space, which makes sense as uh, retailers need to serve customers in a different capacity, not in store. Secondly, the health and wellness category has exploded with uh, the amount of funding, in particular, even tech fitness, for example, and anything around telemedicine has continued to grow. Uh, there's been a contraction when it's come to self-driving cars as those need um, drivers and other vehicles on the road. Uh, we have seen other large investments and innovation investments slowed slowed down. There's been some um, general moves around um, entertainment and media. media. There's more, uh, I wouldn't say it's innovation. It's just been an increase in the amount of digital media on the existing channels and platforms everywhere. Uh, And so those are some of the big trends that we see. Mm. Uh, But certainly wellness and tech wellness and tech fitness has been one of the biggest drivers. Yeah. And uh, could you unfold that a little bit? What what lies beneath here? What kind of uh, uh, companies are doing exciting things as well? Mm-hmm. So one is a U.S.-based uh, uh, fitness company called Peloton has raised uh, money and they went public um, and their products are in extreme demand. And it, it enables you to have a home gym you know, at your own uh, um, living room. And they incorporate a number of features that trigger unique Um, what we call, there's an acronym called ADOS, where it's triggering adrenaline, dopamine, which are these, um, you know, small hits you get when Mm. somebody gives you a virtual high five, 
oxytocin, which really helps you to feel good, serotonin, which comes from cardio-based workouts, and then e-endorphins after that workout. And so the products are designed to emit, elicit those natural um, feeling great um, chemicals out of your own body, brain, gut, and has created a very addictive product. You know, a $2,000 bike or more plus $40 um, monthly membership. So that's an example of the most advanced companies using technology to drive wellness. Mm. Interesting, and um, and and it's in uh, sort of health fitness space. So uh, and so, it, but it just gets me thinking. Also, the terminology that you are using in in you know uh, addiction, and it, it gets you hooked, and uh, we're releasing all these chemicals that you know we we want to release. But this uh, in parallel, this whole. Uh, the story going on around how social media is also addictive in a negative sense. Do you see any uh, mm-hmm. correlations here? Yeah, they are. So the the technology companies have been, so one of our trends, there's five trends that we're looking at. I just want to tell you those real quick yeah, please. and you can see how these all line. And this, this is the, um, the, the way we look at the world at Kaleido Insights. So first one is digital trust. Hmm. Second is health and wellness with tech. Third is ambient computing, like the tech around us in on our world. Fourth is tech sustainability. And the fourth, and I'm sorry, the fifth one is the future of work. Hmm. Okay. So the first one, digital trust, This we've made this a real clear leader uh, of a theme because there is distrust when it comes to the content that's been flying around social networks as well as to their business models and, and how they are trying to capture users' time and attention in order to give that information out, true or false. It doesn't really matter or hasn't mattered. And so that's been one of the real concerns is the types of uh, methods that they're using. And what happened is that these companies um, have attended classes by uh, Stanford, um, particularly professor that focuses on how to use technology to get people addicted. Mm. And they looked at the methods from Las Vegas with slot machines, and they found out how when you play slot machines, it releases dopamine hits and the tactile sounds and the clunking of the of the. Um, the coins and the flashing of the lights and the uh, very variable rewards. That's mm. one of the key ones. And so all of those things were translated into features that you see on Facebook, right? The endless scroll, mm. the alerts. You never know when you're going to alert. Is somebody talking about me? The likes, the pluses. Did I quote win something with a comment from that person who I really love, respect, or want to get to know? Um, or is there endless content to feed my my primal uh, brain? Um, can I just be addicted and, and look? at it for 30 seconds and then 30 minutes later where where did that time go i had no idea mm. so to answer your question the i keep on going back to these primal reptilian behaviors that ados that i talked about where the tech companies know how to use these now in order to keep us highly engaged yeah and uh, uh, so that's one thing and then obviously also being in in lockdown as a lot of the world is and we don't know for for how long what what do you think if we are looking i don't know one two three years uh, what what's what are the scenarios we're looking at here you think in mm-hmm. terms of the technology trends you're monitoring right now Mm-hmm. So I've interviewed and surveyed multiple groups, and in particular conference organizers, is I have data from that one particular group. That's a really good indicator mm-hmm. because they're getting their data from the hospitality industry as well as people who put on conferences and their performers. So the, these are people that, that it is their livelihood to know this. Mm-hmm. And basically a majority of them believe that in Q2, 2021, the physical events and conferences 
will start to emerge. And that was a global response set. So it's going to vary, of course, by, by country. Um, and it also the values of said country. So safely put, I think we'll start to see this reemergence back towards the, um, I don't know. I don't, I, we can't say normal because nothing's right. ever going to go back to be the same, yeah. but 2022 is more likely, but it's not like there's going to be a hard cut. There's going to be a slow transition backwards. I, I see a lot of uh, talk around uh, uh, both within sort of the conference world, education, also entertainment. There's sort of layers in terms of low budget, medium budget, high budget that once we invest ourselves, our time, our money in being physically present, that will mean that we'll see a move towards that is for premium and everything else sort of falls into the digital realm. Do, do you agree mm-hmm. or, or see that as well? Ready or not, companies have had to digitally transform, and those that did not, they're suffering, if not falling, if not collapsing completely. And we can see this these stories around the globes. Many of the retailers that were just on the brink, as it were, before the pandemic hit, they've collapsed completely because they it completely fell out. They were just holding on uh, to the life strings. And so, yes, um, uh, will well, let's talk about that. Will the premium experience be in in person? Mm. Um, maybe I mean we're, what we're seeing is premium content emerge online as well where some people paid $30 on Disney Plus to watch an, a new release of a movie Milan as it happened to be um, $30 is, is that was a premium experience only on digital mm. so I'm not quite sure that only physical world things will be premium. I think we'll see the digital variations, which might be time-gated in this way, or just premium access. So um, I think we'll see a variety of business models, and that's kind of the exciting thing that comes mm-hmm. out of this, is to see how that'll emerge. Um, so with all of that said, though, the I did survey, um, uh, not scientifically, this was on Twitter, but the response set was, I think, 400 um, how often do workers want to go back to the office? Mm. And 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 there, there is this notion that people either want to work at home full time, five days a week, or none at all and want to go in. And, and actually, it's in between. So the most common response is people want to return to the office one to two times a week. And and the, there's there's two major reasons for this. And I actually have a survey, uh, research survey coming out with Ring Central, a sponsor of a formal research survey of 4,000 response. Canada and uh, um, Australia, and and essentially though people really want to work and collaborate with their with other people. You know, group work is very very important, right? So mm. um, doing that remotely, as you might imagine, is a struggle. And then the second one, which which makes sense completely, and this is why we've seen the increase in adoption of social networks um, during this period, is people want to be with other people. We are tribal uh, mm. creatures, and there's I don't need to give much justification. I think uh, most people really understand that. Yeah. And uh, so I think it's interesting also we're seeing different uh, types of research around this topic that, uh, for instance, uh, there were, uh, I believe it was Google who conducted uh, one survey that or it was around Google, maybe other companies as well. Are you probably familiar about where there was, um, you know, a lot of negative impact on the work from home uh, Factor and it got me thinking: Is that because we're this a special demographic psychographic? I mean, younger people as opposed to what might work in in other companies as well, and uh, maybe also geographically. We, we, I, I'm based in the Nordics in Denmark, and and what we see is that mm-hmm. while 
people may have varying uh, degrees of uh, wanting to uh, go back to physical uh, office all the time or not or or in between that there's um, and and we're also not that hard uh, comparatively struck by the pandemic but for a lot of people uh, there's been an element of actually um, more calm, more quiet, and uh, more family time in in a positive sense. So it's been a good thing to be able to to be that much from home. Do you see variations based off a uh, uh, geography's age, etc., in terms of the openness or not towards working from home? We have that data, but it's I can't release that yet because mm-hmm. it hasn't been announced. But um, <clears throat> there is a trend where do not have children, no dependents, that they are traveling right now, traveling around their region or their country. There's a whole, you know, quote, hashtag called van life where they just travel in a van. Mm. And, 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 and this is not a new behavior in Europe, but in other parts of the world, it is a new behavior. And, and so people are taking that time to do that. And there's numerous uh, college-bound students that are taking a gap year or taking a year off to pursue um, their own endeavors or just to save money. They don't see the value in going to university um, if it's not in person or if they're forced to sit in their dorm room and be on a video call a day, all day. What's the point? Why would you pay that amount of money? Um, and of course, there's a, it depends if you're if the costs are be, being paid by you or the government. Mm-hmm. So there's variations uh, by culture in this way, but but certainly I think one of the big trends is we're returning back to basics where we can think about what's really important to us. What are the relationships that really matter? Who who do you want to be around when you know you could potentially be dying in the near future? So we're rethinking about all of our values and even like what's the purpose? What's the point of life? Like is this where I want to spend my time in this type of job? Um, you know, so people are rethinking everything and revisiting their their core purpose. And there, there's a a word in Japanese, ikigai, uh, where it's looking for um, you know, is this something that you're good at? Is this something the world that the world needs? Is something you get paid to do? And is this something that you're passionate about? Mm. And so people are revisiting: are they in the center of those four? Uh, um, overlapping circles in the center is the state of Ikigai. So I think many of us are reevaluating um, what's the point. Mm. Yeah. And, and uh, to that also then relates to the notion of, you know, how do I want to work? Where do I want to work? And, and from an uh, organizational perspective here and the hunt for talent you know, before the pandemic was absolutely key, right, to try and future-proof your organization. How, how do you see that shifting? So since we're working remote, the access to workers is no longer dependent upon physical locale. Or, or yes, that's true. And we're seeing the trend of deurbanization, where you don't need to live in a in a overly priced, expensive city. I'm in Silicon Valley, where it's the most expensive in the USA, mm. and 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 we've seen single bedroom apartments go from thirty two hundred in San Francisco down to twenty eight hundred. So um, you know, uh, double digit margin decrease um, in just what six months, mm. and so that's significant. And so instead, they're going everywhere else and traveling around, or they're working in different cities, or they're or they're buying a large home in the in a, in the suburbs, one to two hours away. Now, of course, the the big trend is um, this means that globalization for uh, remote workers is now open. It's an open market. So why hire a Silicon Valley programmer if I can hire one um, in Macedonia for a, a 
two thirds the price or half the price of a similar quality. And yes, I, there might be some communication and cultural differences, but I'm going to get that anyways, even with a, a local American worker, because we're not going to be phys physically together anyways. Mm. So businesses are re-looking at um, their global workforce when it comes to remote work. There's no reason that they're forced to hire in, within the regional areas. And, and this also means for those in the quote, um, developed nations and certainly uh, Denmark and Western Europe and, and US, Canada, Australia, the, the cost of those, those talented workers could go down mm -hmm. because you're now competing with uh, developing nations and their talent pool and working asynchronously becomes the norm. So we're going to see a spread of the potential talent resources and rewards due to COVID. And that's a big change. This episode is presented in partnership with Singularity University. If the future you've been planning for arrived today, would your organization be prepared? If your answer is anything other than a resounding yes, you might be in danger of falling behind your competition. In the race of innovation, your success depends on your ability to adapt and start thinking and acting exponentially. Singularity University can help you develop a future-focused mindset and toolset and connect you to a global community of changemakers just like you. Come explore the future of exponential technologies, learn how other organizations are adapting to change, and build a strategy that keeps your organization at the top of your game, no matter what the future brings. Take charge of your future. Visit su.org slash CIP to learn more. Yeah, and, and I guess even in a country like the U.S., Uh, at least there's been uh, talk around how uh, some of the large tech companies may choose to hire in other regions of the U.S., so uh, Ohio instead of San Francisco, and thus sure. also having to not pay necessarily the same premium uh, salary. So would that also mean then that a, a bunch of um, uh, programmers will move from San Francisco to Ohio and, uh, and cost of living, of course, mm -hmm. would, would mm -hmm. also be lower? Will we see those types of shifts as well? Yeah, um, that's all possible. And um, actually, Idaho is the fastest growing state. Uh, yeah. Ohio is uh, not a f not far off, uh, uh, but um, Idaho apparently is where we're seeing a lot of growth. And I did a um, un un I'm doing scientific research and unscientific right. research. So I just want to be clear: this yeah. one was an unscient unscientific poll mm -hmm. on Twitter. Um, In, in, in which just gives me directional information. Mm. And I asked people, this was just to probe, if you could take a 10% salary cut, but you could work from wherever you wanted, uh, would you take that deal? And 46%, I think the respondent rates was over 500, uh, that deal. Mm. And, and, and the thought is you could actually reduce your costs of, of living obviously the home cost, but also the reduce of buying business clothes, um, buying meals at the corporate cafeteria, traveling. You might not, you might only need one car in America. There's, it's usually two, 2.5 cars mm -hmm. is average. So you can see a real change in your cost reducing and the amount of time is, um, improved for your actual living rather than being stuck in a commute. So it's quite possible you could make less gross, I'm sorry, make make less net income, but have a higher gross income um, if you do the math and think about the, the bigger picture. Mm. And, and and so and, and then one thing is sort of the hunt for talent and the talent and organizations finding each other. The other thing is then the output in, in forms of uh, innovation impact, for instance. What do you think the shifts that we're seeing in in ways to work, how will that impact organizations' innovation capabilities? The work? Um, well, I, 
I don't say I would have any amazing insights here. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, telecommunications and collaboration tools are the most common thing that it's already known. But the one thing that we're, we are seeing, okay, well, we can talk about this. So there is this theme or, or moniker that some companies, I'd say about a third of them said, bring your whole self to work. Have you heard that, Chris? Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's not common everywhere, but in the beginning of the pandemic, companies didn't have a choice but to say that because, and basically it means is uh, we want to see and understand and accept you for you, how you fully are. Basically it means you don't need to have that polished professionalism as you would have had in the office. Now this has gone both wonderful and also arrived because uh, when you say that it it allows you know grace and forgiveness and empathy for when kids are running in the background and your dog is barking and you might have something on the stove and you see somebody's messy bedroom of your boss I mean that changes the way you think about your manager mm-hmm. and how she is functioning but that's reality and 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 this has created both chaos as well as um, acceptance and it depends on whether the culture truly believes that uh, bring your whole self to work it matters but it also means that um, when when companies were saying that it also means that the sometimes the political affiliation or personal values would emerge because we saw the the, the veneer of society was rubbed off in March mm. like like the raw racism and social inequality and um, and differences of health inequality and dependencies on global supply chains, all of the veneer was wiped away. And we saw what society really was down to the core. And it's raw, right? And we see it. And the social networks reward the raw content, as we talked about in our first segment. Mm. So when employees see this, they're talking about it on social, they're talking about it at work, they want to connect and they're talking about these raw issues and they're even expecting their employers to take a stand for social issues or for values or sustainability or, you know, is is the rich white male CEO taking care of the young black female employees within the company? And those are raw discussions that are now happening uh, within employee communications, whether they wanted it or not. So... You asked me questions. What what is happening when it comes to new ways of working? Yeah, the communications are just raw and open. That's mm. really what I wanted to drive at. Mm. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the notion is that um, I mean there are there are new opportunities, of course, arising based off of the new ways that we're working in. And, uh, and and then my question in regards to innovation and the innovation impact. Uh, um, I mean, so there there are some maybe potentially uh, it's cultural benefits. Yeah, yeah, right. And 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 you mentioning the notion of seeing. Uh, you know, each other's bedroom, seeing other personal sides may positively affect the notion of psychological safety that we know is important for teamwork and innovation, et cetera, right? Uh, and, and then it may not, yes. and then there may be other barriers uh, that then sort of contradict, right? So, so, and I'm, I'm, I've spoken to people, um, for instance, I, uh, I did an interview with the CEO of eXp Realty. I'm, I'm, I don't know if you're familiar, but they're entirely virtual. They're entirely virtual. They are 18,000 people and they're, uh, they have this huge virtual campus that also works in, in virtual reality. And, Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were born like that out of the, the last crisis. And, you know, and his argumentation goes in terms of innovation that, well, in, in, in fact, uh, it, it, it makes it much easier for them to, you know, find each other. There's much more visibility and finding the right people and, and, and teaming up and uh, without having the constraints of, 
you know, with not being able to see where everybody is, and and of course the time constraints and and resources needed for traveling, et cetera, et cetera. That you know, he he believes is is making them much stronger on on the innovation part, right? But there are of course a lot of moving parts in this. So I was curious as to to your insights and and your thinking around that. Yep. So I'd say it's really a function of HR and leadership, less so much of IT telecommunications. Mm. I think that's the bigger message that I'm trying to drive here. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if there is a silver lining, uh, although we are in, in very difficult times in uh, around the world here in, in terms of new behaviors and developments within technologies, what, what do you think is the, there is. a hopeful message to, to give to our leader, uh, re, uh, sorry, listeners here? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the, there's been a return towards what's called digital transformation, which is to get the core and the basics of the company um, digitally ready. And the end result is that the company is resilient and nimble and agile, and they can quickly change. Because I think the biggest learning from all of this, uh, that there's, I I put out a graphic called the crisis cake, Mm -hmm. and it shows these layers of crises. The very bottom one is the climate crisis, and then we have social unrest and income inequality. And there are eight layers and more seem to be emerging, and they're happening at at the same time. So that's the external environmental factors. Uh, We are experiencing more crises at a rapid frequency. As a result, the the company needs to be ready digitally internally to be agile and nimble. And the the crux of that is is really this digital transformation, which includes seven major areas. And it includes the, the strategy, of course, the company and the leadership team. It's collecting the data, it's having AI, it's organizational alignment and culture, and then having an innovation function to create new products. So it's very clear which companies um, were digitally ready because they've launched new products to market during this time. Mm. Some of the car companies turned in and because they were furloughed workers, they took some of them and they, and they started to create ventilators. We saw some retailers shift to curbside pickup. We saw some uh, movie companies shift completely to online on-demand access very quickly. We saw um, restaurants uh, go in different countries, go completely contactless, which is not uncommon in Europe, but it wasn't universal around the world due to regulation. Uh, We saw hospitals enable telecommunications and telehealth when they were told they couldn't do that before. We saw them um, relax some of their privacy laws in order to share information around COVID, and that's called HIPAA in the United States. So there's just a few examples of how industries have been forced to innovate, and those that I just mentioned were digitally ready to make those changes. So I think that's the big key. Mm. Uh, Jeremiah, uh, on that, I will say thank you so much for, uh, thank for you. sharing your, your thoughts here. Just uh, on the final note, if people want to learn more about you, your work, and, and where to go or learn, uh, where should we direct them to? Sure. I'm on Twitter, which is my first initial last name, J-O-W-Y-A-N-G-J-O-Yang, and you'll find uh, links to all my companies and websites as well. Wonderful. Jeremiah, thank you so much for joining the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Corporate Innovation Podcast presented by Singularity University and in collaboration with Singularity U Nordic. 
If you liked what you heard, please spread the news, give a review or share a link with friends and colleagues. If you have comments, questions or suggestions for great guests on the podcast, don't hesitate to write me at chris at nordic.org. That is chris with a K at nordic.org and sign up to the newsletter on www.sunordic.org slash podcast. See you on the next episode.